But this morning, I want to encourage us from a passage just going with the theme of baptism. Um, Luke chapter 10. So if you brought a Bible, turn to Luke 10. We've been going through a series on the life of David. We're going to take a break this week from David and just um, encourage us from the baptisms and what God is doing here in Huntington and all around the world. And Jesus gives his disciples a task. And um, I'm thankful for Kelly how you prayed for us this morning, just that that we are here in in a comfortable room. Someone, I mean, some of you might be cramped, maybe a little hot this morning. It's it's full room this morning. Um, but you know, as far as risk, you might not be risking much. But there is a risk to the gospel. Many Christians around the world understand this. You might understand it once we get outside the walls. Once you go back home, maybe. Once you go to work tomorrow or later tonight, there, there is a risk of the gospel. And so here Jesus is preparing his, uh, his disciples to go. And starting in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. He says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Right, let's stop there. You, your Bible may actually have 70 instead of 72. Um, the point that, that Luke is making here is that um, this is a number representative of the nations. And so Jesus is sending his disciples out to the nations. So don't get caught up if your version is different. Manuscripts vary a little bit. But the point is that Jesus is sending them out to all nations, that, that everybody has value, everybody has worth. And so at this point, he's sending them out. This is coming from Genesis after the flood, just that these are the nations that are representative. Um, and he sent them into every town, place where he himself was about to go. Um, verse 2, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So he's using this language of, uh, of agriculture here, of just this harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest means he's, he's, really, it's, he's not literally talking about a harvest. He's talking about people. That Jesus sees people and he sees them in such a way that, that they are ready, uh, that, that they are ripe, and that, uh, that when someone comes to them, there's going to be a group of people, when they hear the name of Jesus, they're going to be ready. Just to receive that message. That's what it means by the harvest is ripe and plentiful. And so, but he sees the problem. But the labors are, are few. Um, and he says, therefore pray. This is interesting that he would say, therefore pray. I had a chance to, to speak a few weeks ago at um, Crew at Marshall's campus. And um, I was preaching on this passage. And, and it just, it's interesting here that, that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. You would think the next, the next line here would say, so go find some more labors, right? I mean, that would be the natural, natural transition here, but it doesn't say that. It says, therefore, pray. And there's something important about prayer and evangelism, that the two go together, that when we pray, the harvest becomes ripe and ready, and Jesus says, go. So he's saying, um, the labors are few, therefore pray. I just want to encourage you, tonight we're going to um, do a two-week class on evangelism, how to share your faith. 
Because I, I think there's a lot of you who want to share your faith, but maybe you're just nervous. You're just uh, maybe afraid. There's many different fears of why we don't share our faith. And so tonight we're going to start a class tonight at 6 o'clock. So if you're available tonight at 6, I'd love for you to come back out tonight and just be encouraged about how you can share your faith, how you have a story that God has given you to this world, that you really can help um, be a part of this, this gathering of the harvest. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, labors are few, therefore pray. So part of what we're talking about tonight is the importance of prayer, that we need to be a, a, a praying people. We pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So our harvest starts here in Huntington. Uh, sometimes we think about missions and we just, sometimes we, we can give money and, and goes overseas and we want to go and serve overseas, but then we ignore our neighbor across the street. We ignore, we ignore our roommate, um, the, the, the guy um, in our lab, in, in our science lab, maybe the coworker you've worked with for 20 years. And we just forget about them and we just think missions, just, we just go overseas. The harvest starts here. I really believe there's a harvest here in Huntington. That there's people here that God is preparing to hear. And so Jesus is sending us out. He's, we pray to the Lord of harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. Notice it's his harvest. It's not yours. So this whole idea of like I saved someone, you know, I, I led them to Jesus. Well, Jesus led you to them. He's already working in their life. So it's his harvest. He's the one that's saving. You're just the messenger. You're the means. Verse 3, go your way. Now look at this. Behold, I am sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Can't help but to think of that phrase, that I am. It's such an important New Testament phrase, the I am statements of Jesus. I think it ties us back to Exodus 3 where Moses is having this conversation with God. And Moses is going to go to Pharaoh and he, he says, God, who do I tell Pharaoh sending me? And, and God says to him, tell him, tell him that I am sent you. And here Jesus is saying, I am. Just as I am sent Moses to Pharaoh, I am sending you to Huntington, to West Virginia. And look how he's sending us. This is encouraging, right? He's sending us out as lambs. All right, I, that's cool. I like that part. Lambs are cute. Okay, but he's sending us out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Whoa, come on. Where's that, you know, that comfort? Where's that safety? That's what we want, right, to be comfortable. This is not it. That there's a risk here. And I think we're starting to see that in America. You go around the world, you see this. We're starting to see it in America where Christians are persecuted. I mean, you can be religious, but if you're a religious Christian, persecuted. There's something different about being a follower of Jesus. That he's sending us out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Maybe that's why you're afraid this morning. Maybe that's why you don't share about Jesus as much as you want to. Because I think you want to. I really do. But you get nervous maybe because you know that it's risky. You're a lamb and there's wolves. They just want to attack you, make fun of you, put you down. 
But know, know this, that you're not alone, right, in this. It should be great comfort that I am is sending you. The God of the whole universe is sending you, that you have value, that you're a part of his global rescue plan, that he's using you. That's the encouraging part. So I think about my life. I'm a nobody. I, I grew up in a trailer park in Crown Hill, West Virginia. Nobody knows where Crown Hill, West Virginia is. But God, is, God wants to use me. God wants to use you. No matter what your past has been, whatever struggles, God wants to use those struggles so that you can help others with those same struggles. Know that they can be loved by God. So you have value. God is sending you out among the wolves. Verse 4, he says, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Basically saying, I will provide for you whatever you need. Just trust me. Just lean on me during this time. Trust me, the Holy Spirit, to be at work in your life. Don't take other things that you think, well, I'm going to need this. It's not Jesus and this. It's just Jesus, period. That's all you need. He is enough. Verse 5. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. That's a Jewish phrase that they had offered this greetings of, of peace. So bring this greeting. Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. So Jesus is sending these people out. And he's saying, go look for people of peace. These people of, of peace are part of this harvest. And I've been preparing, preparing them to receive you. And when you bring peace upon them, they will receive you, and that's how you'll know that they are ready. Stay with them. Tell them about me, because I am going to come. So Jesus is he's preparing people, because he's getting ready to go to the cross, die for our sin, for your sin, for my sin, to be buried, raised from life, raised from death to life, ascend to heaven, and then he's the great commission that we are to go. So Right now, they're not bringing a message of, uh, of the cross. They're just bringing a message of what is to come. So that when they, when they do come with this message, then they're ready. So what do these people of peace look like? I think there's people of peace around us. I really do. I really believe that God, God is sending you to your workplace to like your hobbies, what you love to do. That there's people of peace that he's, he's preparing. So that when you come and you meet them and you bring this greeting to them, they're ready. I really believe it. But sometimes I feel like he brings us together and we're like, well, somebody else, he'll send somebody else. Somebody else will, will meet them. It's not my responsibility. But what if it is? What if God, in his infinite wisdom, has been working in this person's life? And, and in his infinite wisdom, knew that he could bring you into their life. Because that you loved him enough that you would share with them. And that you are the instrument. You're the means by which he's going to bring this one to know him. 
what if that's your story? What if you're the, because guess what? I'm guessing at some point you were this person, that you needed the message of, of Jesus. And so for some of you, it may have been your mom or dad told you about Jesus when you were a little child. That's not my story. My mom and dad didn't tell me the story of Jesus. I was 20 years old, and my cousin from North Carolina, uh, she told me about Jesus and how much he loved me. And honestly, it wasn't the, wasn't the love of Christ that drove me to him. It was, that, uh, it was that if I were to die today without Jesus, I would spend forever in hell. And that freaked me out. And that just kept getting me thinking, like, is my life worth going to hell? You know, my great life of playing video games at 20 years old. And it drove me to the cross where I then learned about the love of Jesus. But God used my cousin from North Carolina. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 10. We're going to look this morning at a person of peace. His name is Cornelius. And I believe there are Corneliuses all around us today. Acts chapter 10. And um, if you've been coming for a while, you, you, you kind of know our order of service. You know that we finish around um, 11, 11, 10. Uh, this morning, int- intentionally, we're going to finish around 11, 20, 11, 25. Because we have uh, we've reserved the rec center at 11, 30. So just know that at 11.30, we're going to try to transition to the rec center. But until then, you're, you're here with us, okay? So that, that's, that's where the preacher means, like, it's going to be long this morning, okay? That's, without saying it's going to be long, that's what I mean, okay? Acts 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. So basically, he was a Roman soldier, uh, and, and as we'll see, he was a leader in, of the Roman soldiers, We don't know how far up, but we know he had men underneath him. Verse 2, we see what kind of man this uh, Cornelius was. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. That's a pretty good description, right? I mean, how many of you would like to be known as this? Like if we said, hey, write a little bio of you. You would love to be known as a devout man who feared God, who gave, you gave money. Alms was what, you know, you give to the poor. So he gave to the poor generously, not just like, hey, here's a dollar, just leave me alone. It's not like that. He gave generously, uh, and and he prayed continually. There's a lot of churches be like, yeah, that man, I want him to be a deacon. Like, that's a solid guy right there. Sign him up. Let's keep going. You'll learn more about Cornelius, verse uh, 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. His lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants 
and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to, to them, he sent them to Joppa. So here Cornelius receives this message from an angel saying, hey, you need to send some people and go get a message from Peter. Peter is in Joppa. It's about 40 miles. So thinking about from here to Charleston, about sending this, these three men to go, uh, to go meet Peter. So, so Cornelius is, is here. He's in Caesarea. And south of Caesarea was Joppa, 40 miles. So in 40 miles south is Peter that we, uh, we encounter in verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour um, to pray. So here again, Peter's praying, this idea of praying. The harvest is ripe. What do we do? We pray. So Peter's on the rooftop. He's praying. Uh, that's common. Don't think that he's a strange man. That's common. The way Jews build their houses, you would, they, they were built so that you'd get up on your house and just you would feel the breeze. And so he was up on his house praying. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were uh, preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up uh, at once to heaven. So this is when we leave 1130, and you walk outside, and just right over here is Buddy's Barbecue. This is why we're allowed to celebrate the smell when you walk out and you smell Buddy's Barbecue. Acts chapter 10, right here. Praise the Lord. And so, Peter's, but Peter being a good Jew is like, no, wait, I can't do that. That's, that's unclean. And God is showing him, like, no, like, don't, don't call what God has made, don't call it, 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 it common, if God has made it clean. And, and it's a play here on the food, but it's also on getting him ready for this encounter with Cornelius. Because Cornelius was a Gentile. Remember, he's a Roman soldier. Remember the Jews, they didn't like the Romans. Uh, they thought they were Gentiles, they were unclean. Also, another strike against Cornelius, being a Roman soldier. Remember Peter had a good friend named Jesus? Remember what the Roman soldiers did to Jesus not long before this? Yeah, they killed him. So you imagine it without this vision and... and, and here comes these three men along uh, and, and saying, hey, Peter, we need you to come meet Cornelius. Peter's like, yeah, let me, let me go get my bag. I'll be right back. He goes downstairs to get his bag, and he's out, runs out the back door. He's not going to, to, uh, to meet Cornelius. This, this would never happen without this vision. But God's saying, what I made, and God made all people, Genesis 1. That's why we fight, that's why we fight for... Uh, for those the, the, against the injustice, you know, we fight against racism. Because we are all one in God's eyes, all nations. 
And so here Peter is corrected by the Lord. Verse 17, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, um, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. So I love this. Like he just has this vision, then all of a sudden, like those men, are, he's, they're at the gate of his house. Verse 18, they called out to ask where Simon, who was called Peter, was, lo- was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion. And the answer was like, oh, centurion, I don't know, that's not good. It's like, you know, the police are here. You're like, oh, like, you know, be honest. We're all like, what I do? And you know you didn't do anything. Or like when the cop comes behind your car. And like you're like we're all like in like inwardly like we have this sense of guilt like what did I do, and you did nothing but we're all we just feel guilty so centurion you know and uh, he, the centurion an upright and God fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation it's an interesting phrase that even the Jews respected Cornelius was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house. And to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. So they, they come in and um, and they basically tell about this vision that, that, that Cornelius had. And um, Peter says, man, that's crazy. I just had this encounter with this, you know, uh, uh, this vision. And so Peter goes to meet um, Cornelius. So we'll skip ahead to verse 34. That's between verse 23 and 34, that's what happens. Cornelius agrees and that he, uh, he agrees to, to go to Cornelius. So now, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, so now he's in, the, he's in the presence of Cornelius. He says this to Cornelius. I want you to listen. You remember, how do we describe, how does the Bible describe Cornelius? He was a devout man. He feared God. He gave, he was a generous man, and he prayed continually. But there's something, something missing in that equation. Listen to what Peter tells him. Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. That sounds like, hey man, like it's, it's kind of a universalistic view of salvation that there's people all around the world. There's no way we can get the message of Jesus to everybody. So as long as there's good, then God will accept them. I want to challenge you on that kind of thinking. So I, I think Peter gives us some more uh, information a little later that would challenge us on that, that, that there's, that there's a, a, a specific message that people need to hear, that being good isn't good enough. Verse 36 As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
And we are witnesses of all that he had that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jeru- Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the appointed. Uh, he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that every everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What was missing from Cornelius? It was the, it was the testimony of Jesus. His birth, baptism, death, resurrection, his ascension to heaven. That's what was missing. Let's keep going. Verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And believers from all the circumcised, that means Jews, who had come with Peter were amazed. Because again, they're thinking, I thought this was a Jewish thing. They were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is incredible. So here's this picture of Cornelius hearing the message of Christ. And the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And what does he do? He's, he's baptized. It's this picture of you believe and then you're baptized. And I love just today, just, just this step of faith, of obedience that you guys, that you six are taking. You say, I, I want to be obedient. Jesus was baptized. I, I need to be baptized. I want to follow him. I know it's risky, but I want to follow him. So Cornelius is baptized. And then we see um, in chapter 11, the Jews hear about this, and they get mad. Like, how dare you, Peter? You're, you're the rock. You're like the leader of this. You're Jesus' main guy, and, and, and now you're defiling this by bringing Gentiles into this? How dare you? And Peter's going, no, you don't understand. Like, God gave me this vision, and, and uh, he, he said, don't, I shouldn't show partiality to certain people. That, that if God made these people, which he has, then... Don't call them unclean. And he begins to, to tell them of, of how God worked and what's going on. So now drop down to chapter 11, verse 11. This is so important. Verse 11, he says, And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived. So, he's, so these angry Jews, he's, now Peter's telling the story to these angry Jews. He said, and behold, at that very moment, these three men arrived at, at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me. So he's building his evidence saying we all went. It's not just me. Listen to their testimony. They accompany me and, and we entered the man's house. So the man um, Cornelius. Then look at this. 
And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. Verse 14. He will, future tense, declare a message. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved. You and all your household. Look at the tense of that. So this is Peter talking about that he's met this man who we were introduced to in chapter 10 as a devout man who feared God, who gave away money, and he prayed continually. But here in chapter 11, we see Peter saying that, that this, this angel told Cornelius to send, you know, find Peter, that he will declare a message to you by which you will be saved. Meaning that Cornelius, even though he was the vowed man who feared God, who gave away money and prayed continually, was what? Unsaved. He was lost. That there was something missing in his life. It was the message of Jesus. That the message of Jesus is what saves us. That you can be a lost man and be devout. You can be lost man and fear God. I mean, think about, think about a good Muslim. A good Muslim will fear God, right? A good Muslim would give away money, give alms, pray continually. You know, I think Muslims put a lot of Christian, Christians to shame and how how diligent they are to pray, just to stop and pause and just pray. But I think the Bible shows us that Muslims aren't saved. And so here, this is an important message for us. That Cornelius was, I think, one of these Luke 10 people, these people of peace. That God was preparing the harvest, and he's sending these people to go. And there's going to be these people that, man, they're just ready. They're just ready to hear the message of Jesus. And this is why I think Jesus, when he calls the disciples, he says, hey, I'm going to make you into fishers of men. He doesn't make them into catchers of men. He makes them fishers of men. And that there's, you go fishing, and when I, I, love, I love to go fishing. I, I've taken my son, Xavier. We've gone fishing last year with my dad. And uh, we didn't do so great, did we, Xavier? Uh, we actually went to like three different places fishing. We finally, the last place, we caught a couple fish. Isaiah caught a turtle. Um, but we didn't, we weren't, and we're not great fishermen. But we can have a terrible day, but we still come home and your mom said, what did you guys do? And we said, we went fishing with, 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 uh, with Papa. And we had a great time. And so you're going to go sharing your faith a lot. And you, you're not going to catch that many. But you still go fishing for men. And you just trust that God's at work. And I, I, I really believe that there's, there's Luke 10, people of peace here in Huntington, all around us. I think there's modern day uh, stories of this. Let me give you a couple examples. One, uh, a few weeks ago I was in uh, northeast India. And um, I was so encouraged. So just think how God works. He's so big and so powerful and, and infinite with wisdom and sovereignty. How he, he orchestrates these things together. So um, 
the Northeast India is very mountainous, a lot like West Virginia. And there's a lot of, like, it's just, they call it jungle. We call it woods. They call it jungle. And a lot of jungle there. And just of, uh, just, I mean, just tribal people. I shared a few weeks ago how I went to a house and it was just, they still live in, there's some people who still live in bamboo, just um, homes, just one room bamboo homes. Well, these people, they were headhunters. That's what they were. And um, like around 1860, God sent uh, a missionary from from New York uh, to Northeast India when they were still headhunters. And in India, there were two men, and I don't know how well you can read that. The top, it says Ahmed and, and Ramki. That's two men. Uh, this missionary led these two men to Christ. They were the first Garo Christians. Now think about that man from New York in the 1800s. You know, he's not flying over like I did on a nice plane watching movies. Uh, I don't even know how, like his, I don't know if it was all just, I don't know which way he went by boat, but just getting there took a while. But he went to a place and they were headhunters. Well, that's a lamb, that's, 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 that's Luke 10. I'm sending you out as a lamb among the wolves, literally. And he's going, you know what? God loves the Garo people. Why should the Garo people not have the message of Jesus? So I'm going to go. I know that I might not come back, but I'm going to go. And he went to the Garo people. But God was working in the Garo people. God was working in Omed and Ramki's life, preparing them. So when this guy from New York came, that they received the message of Jesus. They were people of peace in 18-something. And now Northeast India, because of that man's boldness to go, knowing that Jesus said, I am sending you. And if I'm with you, why are you afraid? And he, and he went, and now Northeast India is radically changed. I mean, it's a, it's a Christian area, Northeast India. I mean, there's established churches all over. At right to the right of that monument is the Garo Baptist Convention building. I mean, they have their own Baptist Convention in Northeast India. Right behind it, uh, across the street is Tor Baptist. It's this huge church, beautiful facility where hundreds come on Sundays uh, to worship. Uh, just south of this sign is a uh, is a uh, a ladies uh, hostel where some of these girls Annie and Liza um, and Courtney uh, went and stayed. La- was that last summer? Two couple summers ago, you you girls went and stayed and loved on some kids there. Um, just trying to help women in that area. And just south of that um, facility is a college campus, a Baptist college campus that I was teaching at. Uh, God, God was working. He was bringing those stories together, bringing that man from New York, Peter, to this Cornelius of Northeast India. And he, they received it, and now, man, it's, it's thriving. 
Let me give you another example. You guys heard on the testimony today, uh, our brother Eway's testimony, that Eway, uh, we're in March, so three months ago, Eway lived in China. And God brought Eway from China. Um, so think China. Uh, Eway's there three months ago. Funsho, uh was in Nigeria three months ago. Uh, so probably like uh, maybe here. Okay. Did you guys know each other three months ago? No. No idea who each other were. But God was putting in your heart, I want to come to America to study. Um. Funcho already knew the Lord, loved the Lord since 2006, right? And Eway, never been to church, never, never heard the gospel message. How other than the Lord can you explain this? So they both come to Marshall. And I think of all the universities in, in America. Just think of all the universities in West Virginia. And that God brings them both all the way to the United States, to Huntington, West Virginia, okay, to Marshall's campus, okay? Not just to Marshall's campus. There's a lot of dorms, right, at Marshall's campus. There's North, there's South, there's Holderby, there's, there's the Commons, there's, there's Schwinn Towers. God brought them to the same dorm from China, from Nigeria, brought them to the same dorm. Oh, not just the same dorm. You guys are roommates. Yes? Put them in the same room. Why do we doubt God? You know, you know what I mean? Like, God is so powerful, and he loves his children so much. He's going to do whatever he can to bring his children to know him. If it, takes, if it takes putting a desire in them to study in America, if that's what it takes, that's what he'll do. That he brought the nations to us. I think on the college campus, so that they can hear the message of Jesus Christ. So now Eway is taking a step of faith and of obedience today and being baptized. Why do we doubt God? God is so good. The harvest is right. And I bet there's Cornelius is all around us. We just don't realize it. That God's working in someone's life. And he's put you in their life because you're that Peter to this Cornelius. Will you be bold? Remember, they can be good. They can be devout. They can give to, you know, city mission, volunteer to help with the homeless. But without the message of Jesus, they are lost. That's the only message. That's the saving message. Romans 10 Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. They have to hear. It's not written in the sky. Salvation comes through hearing. Faith comes through hearing the word of Christ. Will you be bold? Will you take the risk to be that lamb going out among the wolves? And it's, the Christian life is an adventurous life. That, that God is sending us on this great plan of redemption and rescue. That he wants to use all of your baggage from your past to tell others. 
uh, I, I just, uh, I want you to just, as I pray, I want you to be thinking about opportunities that you have. Just for your eyes to be open to Cornelius around you. Um, my friend Thad here has been coming for a while, and Thad's like, I just want to, like, how, how can I, how can I just get involved in MCF? Like, how can my wife, Gabby, and I, how can we get involved? And, and uh, we began talking and just said, Dad, you know, what do you love to do? What are, what are some things that God's gifted you and you just want to be a part of? Dad played co- college baseball and he loves, loves baseball. And he has an opportunity to coach local high school team. So Dad's jumped in. And as he's looking, he's going, okay, who are these guys? And he had a cool opportunity this past weekend to take the baseball team uh, was it to the city mission or was with the church, right? You were helping like a church, like do, do some work and, and had some just great responses from some of the guys. I wonder, are there Corneliuses on your baseball team? Uh, I'm getting ready to draft for low league baseball on this, this week. And uh, I'm just, I'm praying like, God, show me which families here in Huntington are like Cornelius, who are good people. They're people of peace. That you've been working in their families. Help me, Lord, to have my eyes open. That I'm not just coaching baseball. That this is an opportunity for me to love on families and tell them about Jesus. Where has God put you in Huntington? He's given you gifts that are unique to you. He's given you places for your eyes to be open so you can be around people who need to know about Jesus. And I was just say not just need to know but want to know. But they've never, and I think we think we're in America, surely they know. I don't think they do. Because I bet if we're just honest this morning, and if I just had, how many of you have, have shared your faith? Like, not just, I show up to work on time, I work hard. I mean, verbally, that you've told someone about Jesus, that, that you need Jesus to go to heaven. If I'd have you stand up this morning, I wonder how many would stand up. I said, how many of you have done that in the last month, the last six months, the last year? How many of you have told someone about Jesus, that he died for their sins, and would they like to repent of their sins and follow Jesus? So I just want you to to pray. As we pray, I want you to pray with me. Just God, help me to have my eyes open. Who are those people that come to my mind, just as Peter had this vision of, Okay, there's going to be these people coming. I need to receive them. Who does God put in your mind? I just wonder, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now, putting these people in your minds right now? I want to invite the band to come back up. And I'm going to pray for us. And as I'm praying, just, Lord, give me, give me the Cornelius in my life. Let's pray. Father, this morning, Lord, we heard.